Amen. All right, so here, I'm, I'm lighting the, the, this first candle. Ooh, that was the first time I, I've been practicing that. It's usually like five times. Um, so lighting the first candle in the Advent wreath, and when we light this first candle in the Advent wreath, uh, it, it signifies we, we are starting Advent. Um, and uh, in your notes that, that you have, I, I put a, a few things down there for you, um, just to uh, give you a little reference, and so that we can uh, just be all on the same page, because I think that, I know that we here, we, we um, celebrate Advent every year, uh, and when we celebrate Advent every year, I go through the same thing, and I think it's part of the, the tradition of explaining what Advent is, because I think, I'm, and I'm I think I'm pretty accurate on this, that not everybody understands why we celebrate Advent, what it signifies and the importance of it. Now, I, when I say that, this is not as if the Bible has a thou shalt, uh, thou, thou shalt observe Advent commandment in it. What, what Advent is, is, is a, a church tradition that it has uh, um, developed over the years, over the last 2,000 years. And what it is, it's, it's to help us enter into this season that's leading up to Christmas. Christmas being the, the birth of our Savior. Uh, so in your notes there, it says, um, gives you a little bit of, of uh, uh, you know, Latin there for you. So if you want to go to work this week and, and drop some Latin on people, uh, you can look like you're, you're pretty cool. Because um, you need all the help you can get. Um, wow. Is it going to be one of those crowds today? I know that it's raining, and I know that everybody's still repenting from gorging themselves from Thursday, right? It does smell a little bit like gravy in here, but uh, that's just coming out our pores, right? So, no, but let's, let, let's as Jake says every, every morning when we pray, or every Sunday when we pray, it's going to be an awesome day. It is. It is going to be an awesome day, uh, because God is going to do something in here today. Uh, so uh, understanding, understanding what Advent is. If you want to drop the Latin on your friends or whatever, feel free. That's just whatever. You, you can say you did all the, the homework. Uh, but uh, it, it just means coming. Advent or, or, or in the Latin, Adventus. I think that that's what Latin is, just adding a us at the end, right? No, no. Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'll get you all to, to, to uh, liven up here in a second. Um, but it, it's just, uh, it means coming. So when we're talking about Advent, we're talking about the, the coming of, of, of the Lord. Uh, we always uh, look at this, this season, when I teach this, we, we look at the, uh, the, the first coming, when, when Jesus came in uh, as a baby in a manger. But we don't stop at the first coming, we look forward to the second coming. And I like how this one, uh, one theologian puts it this way uh, about the Advent season and about his understanding of the first and second coming. Uh, it says, he says it this way, that uh, during Advent, believers are reminded of how much we ourselves also need a Savior. And we look forward to our Savior's coming, even as we prepare to celebrate His first coming at Christmas. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to be, I'll drop this, this word on you, you guys like this, perfunctory. Anybody know what perfunctory means? No? <clears throat> Who likes baseball in here? Anybody? Okay, so who's watched baseball before? Just, just one time in your life, watched baseball. Anybody? Okay, so especially when you're watching like a major league baseball game and, and the guy gets up to the plate and he takes and he taps his bat on the plate and he grabs his helmet and he spits on the ground and he scratches places or whatever... And, and, and then the, ball, the, the, the pitch comes, and then it's a ball or whatever, and he steps out of the batter's box, and he gets back into the batter's box, and he goes through the same routine again. 
that's perfunctory, right? That's just doing something out of a, a, a ritual or a tradition. What I don't want is, is Advent to be just a perfunctory act, something we do just because this is what we're supposed to do. No, Advent, is, it's a time or it's a season that we are remembering and rejoicing the Savior's birth, right? Remember, rejoice. But also that we are watching and waiting for the second coming. Now, I think it's important that we have a little bit of a discussion here before we really get into the meat of everything. Because when we're talking about the coming of Christ... Uh, there are some who, who believe uh, that the coming of Christ is something that is only in spirit. That the coming of, of Christ is, is, like, is something that, well, we don't know when it's really, uh, you know, if he or when he comes, we're not going to really know that it happened. Um, I was watching a, uh, a YouTube video. Um, one of my professors from, from seminary does a, a, a YouTube show, and he had this guy on there talking about uh, the... Second coming of Christ being just a, a, a spiritual coming and how this, the New Age thinking uh, believes that everybody uh, can have their own second coming of Christ inside of them. Like, it, it is, it's all relative to you. Well, the problem with that, and I loved how my professor, he, he addressed it, but the problem with that is, is one major thing, the, the Bible, Right? The, the, the Bible says that, that, that Christ is going to return. Christ himself says he's going to come back. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to get you. Uh, going to get you, right? Going to get you, going to get you, want to get you, we're going to eat you. No? Come on now, wake up, wake up. So uh, understanding that this, the second coming of Christ is the physical coming. I, I love how uh, um, it, there's different places it, throughout, throughout Scripture. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 1, when Jesus uh, he, he ascends into heaven, and, and his disciples are like, oh, crap, what just happened? Uh, and they're standing around, and it says that the, the, the two men appeared to them in white apparel and said, hey, why are you standing there gazing into the sky? You know, the way in which he left is the way in which he's going to come back. So the way in which he left, he left on clouds, he's going to come back on, on, on the clouds. Uh, so that, that's understanding that that's physical. But even something even greater, uh, I, I love in, in uh, Revelation chapter 19, is one of my favorite uh, tellings of, of the second coming of Christ, because that's when Jesus is coming back on his horse and he's going to be, uh, 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 have all the, his battle uh, arrayment on, he's, uh, he, or his armament on. He's going to be arrayed for battle. He's going to have all his army with him. He's coming not with the flowy hair, right? Not Brad Pitt with a little Tweety Bird on his shoulder. No, he's coming back for, for, uh, to do some business. Uh, and we understand that when he comes back, um, that uh, we'll know. Uh, the sky is going to split open. They, there's going to be um, plenty of coverage on CNN and MSNBC and Fox News and, and everything, right? It won't be fake news, right? So, so understanding that, that that's, under, that's important when we're in the Advent season and when we are, are preparing for the second coming. Because we have to, as we prepare for the second coming, and we're going to talk more next week about the preparation, but as we prepare for the second coming, we have to understand that He is coming. And, and, and that's the, 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 the point in which I want to make right now, is like, Jesus came and He is coming again. I lit this candle here, and this is the first candle of the Advent season. This is the prophecy candle. 
And, and the prophecy candle, as it says right there in your notes, uh, it opens a period that anticipates Christmas and remembers those who spoke of the promise of the coming of the Christ child. So, so the prophets of old that were prophesying Christ coming the first time, this is what we are, are, are signifying here and we are celebrating and it's symbolic of. So when we're, when we're talking about the Advent season, we have to understand this is not something we just do now. This is something that has been done for years. And even before Christ came, they were looking forward to Christ coming the, the, the first time. So when Christ came the first time, we, we understand that uh, he, he came in a manger. We have, a, we have a manger up here, and I love this picture. I don't know if you guys get it, but I always look at this. When, when we have the manger sitting here, we have the manger, and then we have the cross. It's, it's as a, there, there's a really good book that I read one time. It was called The Cradle to the Cross. And that's the imagery in which we have. We have to understand the why Christ came. He, he came in the cradle, but he came for the cross. And that's, that's important for us to, to, to kind of get our, our minds wrapped around when we get in the hustle and bustle of uh, the, the, this Christmas uh, shopping season. How many of you, I know you guys don't watch baseball or anything. I don't either, by the way. It's not a big thing for me. I'm more of a football guy. But how, how many of you got excited about this past Friday in shopping? Anybody go out? Some? No? Y'all are getting smarter. I get you. All right. So, so, Linda was out shopping. There you go. So, <laughs> we get excited about something. I don't care. And, oh, so she, yeah, her family went, so she had to go. I, I get it. So, you, you were just stuck then, right? Yeah, you, just, you, you were stuck. You know what? That, that's interesting. You, you, it's interesting because I think that that kind of plays into what we're going to talk about today. So th this whole Advent series, I, I, I've termed it, um, or I, I've labeled it or titled it Caught in the Middle. Because I, I believe that as we talk about Advent, um, we, we talk about the, the, the first Advent and, and Jesus coming, and we're waiting for the, the, the second Advent, but we're, we're, we're stuck here. And, and, and when I say that, whatever you can do with that, those terms, I, I like this because we're here now. We're, we're caught here in the middle. We, we're not... We're not at the, the, the first, and we're, we're not yet to, to the second. We're, we're, we're right here in the middle. And right here in the middle is an important place in which we, are need, or we need to be. Uh, and, and, and when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about these both Advents. I'm thinking about Christ, that He came. I'm thinking about Him coming. What overwhelmed me about this is the Buckeyes game yesterday and the Clemson game yesterday. Okay, so uh, here, just hear me out on this. Hear me out on this, because this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking now, I'm not saying that the, the, the Advents are like football games or anything like that. What I'm saying, though, is I want you to put this picture in your mind. Is that, so the, the Buckeyes game, the, the Buckeyes were, were playing that team from up north, right? Uh, they, 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 they term that, that, uh, that, that, that event right there as the game. In all of college football, if you looked at it, it was called the game. So that's the, the rivalry. So there was a lot of anticipation for, for that game. So I, I look at, at, at that, and, and I, I was all excited. I, I had Shans over, and we had, um, no lie, two TVs hooked up because the, the, the Buckeyes game was on the same time the Clemson game was on. So we could, had to watch both games at the same time. It was it was totally awesome. It, it, was, it was. So, I mean, don't judge me, whatever. You guys are just, like, envious. Like, oh, what's that? No, no trains. No trains at that, that, that time. So, so understand, I'm looking at this, and, and as I'm, I'm thinking about this, um, the, the football games that, that were the, the big hype and everything yesterday, I, I think about all the hype before the game. 
I think about everything that, that everybody was talking about that was going to happen or not happen up into to, to this game. And then I was thinking about all the celebration that happened after the game. So there's a lot of hype before and there's a lot of celebration after, but something had to take place. What had to take place? The game. Even though we knew that we were going to trounce that team from, from up north, and do we have any fans from that team up north, anybody? Wayne, you don't have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, Bobby's, Bobby's West Virginia team didn't win either, did they? Did they? West Virginia won? Oh, you didn't watch it. So anyway, so that, that game, the game had to happen. And if that game didn't happen, all the hype before and all the celebration afterwards didn't mean anything. And as I'm thinking about it, it's that's, the game is the middle. The game had to be played. If the game wasn't played, then, then all was for, for nothing, right? So as I'm thinking about this, and, and, and I know it, I'm kind of stretching this, but think about it this, like we're, we're in between these, these advents, the first and the second. We're, we're in the game here. And I think it's important, and I'm going to stress more, like I said, next week, about how we are to be, we're not to be spectators. I think too often what happens is we're spectators in this game called life and in this game called Christianity, really. And Christianity is not a spectator sport. But the fact of the matter is that, that there is a, a, a reality that this game has to happen. And that's where I think that we have to look at as being in the middle. And then I ask this question, why does this have to happen? Just, and just, just hear me out on this for a second. So when, when we think about Christ's uh, first coming and we think about his, the cradle to the cross, we think about him, him dying for, for the sins of the world, and then he was here on, on, on earth for, uh, the Bible says, 40 days. And when he was here on earth, and after that, though, that time he was here, it says that he ascended up into heaven. That's what we just referred to in Acts chapter 1. He ascended to, to heaven, and he sat at the, the right hand of the Father. So why, why didn't, and this was my question as I was putting all this together, like, so why didn't he just take his, his followers with him at that time? There has to be a reason why he didn't take his followers with him at that time. And as, I, as I'm bringing this all, all around and as I'm trying to figure out, okay, what is the, the, the specific reason for this? I was talking to a, a pastor buddy of mine, and we were, we were going back and forth with this and, and just sorting this all out. But I, I came up with, with, with this. And when I said I come up with this, I, I think that it's, I mean, it's, what, it's what Scripture says. And I think it's very clear of why um, we are caught in the middle. Why Christ didn't just take his church with him when he, when he went up? It's so that uh, salvation could be extended to the whole world. Just think about that for a second. Why are we here? We're here so that salvation can be extended to the whole world. So when we're, when we're talking today in the next few minutes here, the, the, the big idea is that the middle is necessary for the salvation of the world. The middle. We're here. So if you, uh, if you want to, you can turn to First uh, uh, Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be there real quick, but then we're going to go to First Peter. But in First Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses just 3 and 4, uh, Paul is talking to, to Timothy here, and he says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what we have to understand is God desires all people to be saved. Now, will all people be saved? No, there's still that, 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 that decision that has to be made. 
Did Christ die and, and did he uh, um, offer, is his uh, uh, offer of salvation to, to everyone? Everyone who responds, absolutely. So we understand here that the, the caught in the middle is the, the understanding that this salvation, this saving act, and we'll talk more here in a minute, but this saving act of God is, is to be extended into the whole world. And as I was talking this morning with the elders, Kurt said, you know, this is kind of like a, it sounds like it's a, it's a, a missions focused. And it is, it really is. It's, we should all be missionaries. Does that mean that we all have to go to Africa? No, it doesn't mean that we all have to go to Africa to be missionaries. That means we all have to go home or that we all have to go to work or that we all have to go to wherever. We can be missionaries right where God has us. And that, that, that is, it's, it's interesting to me because I think that too often we, we, we take and we make things so complicated and we, we see things like this. That, well, God desires all, all people to be saved, so if God desires it, why doesn't it happen? Well, the reason it, he just doesn't say, poof, it happens, and he just takes everybody is because he has chosen in his, I don't know, I think it's his comedic relief, really. But in his infinite wisdom, he says, okay, I want you, us, the church, to be my mouthpiece. I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want you to, to do this. I love how, how Kurt last week he was talking about the church and how we, we as a church, we're, we're God's team, but we're God's family, and we all have purpose. I think that if we look at this on an individual level, we can see that being in the middle is where our purpose lies. We have to understand that we have this purpose. And turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, because in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about this purpose. He talks about how the prophets prophesied of what was going to happen and what was to happen. And he prophesied how of the importance of all of this and taught us a lot about what salvation is. So in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I know that you know how to get there because last week Kurt was in 1 Peter chapter 2. So just a little bit on the other page, right? Everybody there? We good? So I'm going to read it, and we'll talk, and we'll chat a little bit about it. Um, uh, or let's, let's do this. Let's just go a little bit at a time. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Wait, just, just really quick. Really quick. What am I going to ask? Who's him? Oh, man, you guys are. Come on now. Who, who's him? Jesus. All right, just a little bit better. Jesus, we ain't allowed to say Jesus. Now, yes, you can. Though you have not seen him, though you, and this is what Peter is saying, he's, he's writing to, and uh, Kurt explained it last week, he's writing to this church that's been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. And he's bringing them encouragement because they're facing trials and tribulation, they're facing persecution, they're facing some hard, dark times in their lives. And he says these words, when he says, though you have not seen him, he's talking of Jesus, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And when he says that, don't, don't, let, don't let that just go off lightly. Because these, the, 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 these members of these churches, these, these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, they did not get to walk with Jesus like Peter walked with Jesus. 
So G, Peter is writing like, I, I get it, I, I know, you, you, don't under, I mean, you don't even really understand because I'm the one that denied him three times. I'm the one that turned my back on him. But you know what? Even though I turned my back on him, he still forgave me and he still died for me. He still loves me. So he's bringing this to, to remembrance. I, I, he, I, I believe he has this on his mind. I know. And when I say I know, this is total speculation on my part, so I should say I know. I believe with a whole lot of, uh, of conviction that, that there wasn't a day that went by that Peter didn't have a realization of where he was and where he, he, was, where he used to be and where he was currently. Not saying that he lived in guilt or anything. I just think he was aware of the great grace, the great mercy in which God had for him when the days went by, as he was getting older, as he come to the point of the end of his life. And I don't know if you know how Peter died, but history tells us, church history tells us, the traditions say that Peter died, he was crucified. But he wasn't just crucified like Christ. He was crucified upside down because he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified like Christ. So, so just think about that. The same guy who, who, who denied Christ was one that, that the Holy Spirit uh, transformed him into a different, uh, into a different person. And when we think about that, I love the, the, the fact that, that if, if God can do that with him, man, he could do that with me. If God could take someone like Paul, the Apostle Paul, who killed Christians, right? And made him the biggest advocate and the, 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 the largest icon in the early church. He, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Yet he was, his life before was in total opposition to Christ and what he was, uh, what he was teaching. But, but God turned his life around. And when he turned his life around, he came and he was the biggest advocate for Christ and what, what he was doing. And what Christ did in him. So I, I think about that when, when I read uh, the, these, these letters of the, the apostles, and especially when Peter here, he's saying, like, you, have, you haven't seen him. I get it. You haven't seen him, but you love him. How do they love him? That's my question there. It's like, how do they love him? They love him because they've been taught about him. This is why teaching about Christ and, and the right teaching about Christ is important. Hey, th- here's how I can tie in the, the, the putting in the batteries in the, the uh, microphone wrong a little bit ago. The right teaching about Christ is important. Not just teaching about Christ. You can have teaching about Christ, and the batteries can be backwards, and it ain't going to work. But you have to have the right teaching about Christ. And if you have the right teaching about Christ, you can have this moment where where Peter says, you don't see Him, but you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him. And I I love how it, it continues on. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Inexpressible, indescribable. I, I, I look at this and I, and I think about, okay, so it says that, that I don't see him, but I love him. I don't see him, but I believe in him. And then it says that, that there's this joy that's inexpressible and it's filled with glory. This is, should be the result of your belief. If you say, I don't see him, but I love him. I don't see him, but I believe in him. They quit being cranky. Right? Just just think about this. We are saying that we believe in a risen Savior. We are saying that I don't see Him, but I believe in Him. I don't see Him, but I love Him. I don't see Him, but He sits at the right hand of, of the Father on high, but I don't think He really cares about me. No, no, no one in here would say that, right? No, no, no one, no one. 
Sometimes we act that way. What if we just like just took this in and we listened to the words in which God himself gave us here? He says, you love me, you believe me. Well, then there's joy that, yeah, you might not be able to understand it all. It's inexpressible. It's indescribable. But it's present. So, 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 so quit, and when I say this, this is what the thought that comes to mind. This joy, so if I'm a believer, this joy is in me. I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart, right? Down in my heart, right? Remember that song? So I got joy down in my heart. I got joy in me because it says if I believe, if I love him, there is joy that's inexpressible. Well, I'm not feeling very joyful. Well, what am I doing to suppress that joy? What action in my life do I need to stop it? What sin is there that is taken and is pressing down? So I don't feel that joy all the time. Well, it's not because it's not there. Just like it's not, I don't feel the Spirit of God in me. Well, if you're a believer in Christ, it says the Spirit of God is in you. Just because you don't feel Him doesn't mean He's not there. The problem is what sin is there that is keeping Him from manifesting Himself in you, working in you? That's a question you've got to ask. When we look here at 1 Peter 1 and look at verse 8 here, look at your notes and it says that salvation can be understood through something here. This is the first one, relationship. Salvation can be understood through relationship. Think about this. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe Him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory. That's the relationship with God. That's the relationship you can have, we can have, we are to have with Christ. And we can understand salvation. We can understand what took place. We can understand the, the magnitude of it through our relationship with Him. Oh, yeah, Lee, but you know what? My, I, don't, I don't really feel that all the time. Okay, you just need to, to work on your relationship. Anybody in here ever been in a relationship? Everybody's hand needs to come up. Everybody, everybody. Everybody has been in a relationship. Now, how about this? Has every relationship you've been in been easy? You liar. <laughs> no, but, but every relationship that we have been in, none of it's easy. All of it takes work. A relationship that, that, that is worth anything takes a lot of work. Now, when I say, uh, 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 when I'm referring to our, our relationship with God, it's not as if God has to work any harder. It's that we have to. And, and mainly the work in which we need to do is not work on God. It's work on ourselves. And when I say work on ourselves, it's not me trying to act a certain way. Remember, it's me dying to myself. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Who loved me and died for me? He gave himself. Gave himself. So, so think about this. It's not that, that I have to try to act any different. It's like i got to work on myself. i got to get rid of what, what is, is wrong in me, the sin that's in me. And when I get, now, and this is the part I love, when I get rid of that, it says that Christ is just going to manifest himself inside me. So, so that's where that faith comes in. It's like, well, I don't know. If I get rid of this, it, I don't know how. No, no, no. You, you just gotta, you've got to trust that God is going to be, to be true to his word. You've heard me say before, it's like it's not just believing in God, right? It's believing God. Do you take God at, at his word? 
Do you believe that when he says that he's going to, to work in you and to, to be the one who, who guides you, that you're going to be led by the Spirit, do you believe that he's going to do that? Or do we try to hold on to the reins? I think that salvation it can be understood through relationship, and, and we understand that it's a personal relationship with Christ. When we have this personal relationship with Christ, things happen. Now, let's move on as Peter continues on here, because he talks not only about this relationship, but he talks about how faith, or salvation is the result of faith. That's the next one. Salvation is a result of faith. Because too often people will say, well, I've got a relationship. Yeah, but what is that relationship based on? Because too many people have a relationship that with, and hear me, has, a, have a, has or have, whatever grammatically is correct there, they have a relationship with Christ that's just based on knowledge. Well, I know who Christ is. I know what he's done. I know this. I know that. Okay, that, that, that's okay. That's, that, that, that's okay in the sense that it's the beginning. It's as, like Jesus talks to the rich young ruler. Yeah, you're so close. Knowledge alone, uh, alone is not relationship. Salvation is a result of faith. Faith is that what, what puts us into relationship with Christ. The Bible says without faith we can't, we can't please God. Here in, in, in um, 1 Peter 1 verse 9 it says, um, Obtaining the outcome of your faith. So though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now when it says obtaining, just think of receiving. It's receiving the outcome of your faith, receiving the goal. It's receiving that in which God has placed here. Now the outcome of your faith, what is that faith? That's trusting the gospel. That's trusting what God said is true. We put the gospel in a very, or a very easy to remember sentence um, here at LifePoint. The gospel is the good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. What that explains in that sentence is what God had set forth from the beginning. He has a plan of redemption. The, the, the outcome of your faith is this: there's an object here. That we have to trust in the gospel. And he says here that, that you, you have this inexpressible joy and you're receiving the outcome of your faith, which the outcome of, this, of your faith is the salvation of your souls. Thinking of salvation, that, that's not necessarily a, 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 a word in which we use often. We use it sometimes. But I think that we have to understand what salvation is. Because we have a lot of friends that don't know what salvation is. Anybody here have, have somebody they know that if you were up to go up to them and talk about salvation, just that word, that they wouldn't know what it is? Anybody? If not, you need to get out more. You need to, here's the deal. You need to have people in your life that aren't Christians. Say, what? Yeah, because how in the world are you going to extend salvation to the world if you don't have people in your life that you can extend it to. Well, I'm just going to live my life and uh, you know, uh, preach the gospel and sometimes, if necessary, use words. That is stupid. That's not in the Bible. That isn't even St. Francis of Assisi or whoever it is that they, they attribute that to. He never even said that. Preach the gospel and sometimes use words. You know what's, what's wrong with that? Anybody? The Bible, right? 
Faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the words of Christ. Right? So, so understand that, 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 that when we're talking about salvation, we need to have people we can talk about salvation with. We've done this practice here before, years ago. I think that it's something we need to revive. You need to be talking about the plan of salvation and salvation with those that are sitting around you right now. Because you need to get it where you, can, you feel comfortable enough to talk about what Christ has done in your life with other individuals that Christ has done something in their lives. If you don't, how in the world are you going to go into an awkward situation out in the world and share Christ? It just it makes sense, right? It, it, it's kind of like uh, if if you don't practice, if if you know the Buckeyes took like a whole you know month off of, of practice, and then they come into a game and then expected just to trounce on that team, right? It probably wouldn't happen. Har- Harbaugh might have got his win finally. <laughs> you know that dude's getting fired, right? I mean, it's just it's gonna happen. But anywho, I will pray for him. Um, <laughs> But, uh, no, understand, like, we, we need to practice here. We, the practice are, are talking about <laughs> how God has changed your life with, with others is important. Because if we don't, how in the world are we going to, to say things like, you know, salvation is a result of faith? Now, when we look at this salvation, salvation, that's where we started, the, the, the state of being delivered, and, and this is huge, the state of being delivered from something. Now, the something in which we're delivered from and which we're talking about is the wrath of God. So we are saved from. As Christians, as believers, we believe that the, that the Creator God, that God is the Creator of all things, heaven and earth. He created all things. Therefore, since He created all things, He's the one who sits in final judgment. He's the one that judges, is all, judges all. He's the one when we sin, when we sin, He's the one we're sinning against. No, I'm just sinning against my wife or my friend. No, 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 no. Even David said that all sin is against God. So we stand in judgment. We, we have to stand, we have to face the judge. And if we face the judge on our own, we're guilty. And, and we'll be condemned. But salvation is understanding that, that because of what Christ has done, that we can be delivered from that, 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 that harm. We can be delivered from that judgment. We can be delivered from the wrath of God. But I don't, I don't like when people just say, Oh, I'm saved, and I'm saved from hell. Okay, that's true. If you're a Christian, yes, that's true. You are saved from hell. But you're missing the best part. You're saved to heaven. You're saved to eternity. You're saved to a relationship with the Creator of all things. That's what salvation is. When he's talking here, the, the, the outcome of your faith, uh, receiving or obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, this is what we were made to, to experience. We were designed to be in relationship with God. That's the only place in which we can have rest for our souls, the salvation for our, our, our souls. When we're talking about the souls, we're talking about that immaterial part uh, of the individual. Because understanding that your soul is really what makes, <laughs> makes you up, who you are. It's, it's your thinking, it's your, it's your heart, it's your conscience. Understand here that, that, that salvation is for, for the soul, and that's what he's focusing on. And it's, it is a, a result of, of faith. He goes on here in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, it, it's as if uh, this was important to him. 
stop for a second. So think about this. Who's Peter writing to? The church, right? So he's writing to a bunch of believers, right? So whoever it is that's in here thinking right now, oh, come on, Lee, just get past this. I get it. I know Jesus died and uh, this salvation is important. It's important enough that Peter is writing to a bunch of Christians about it. So, so, so think about this. Let, the, let this sink in, because this is, this is where I, I believe that the batteries are put in backwards in, in, in our world. People talk about, oh, Jesus, and they talk about God, and they talk about, okay, yeah, all this, save me from my sins. Yeah, but, but, but you're putting the batteries in backwards. You're not, it's, it's not lining up right, because you, you're not being taught right. What we have to do is we have to focus in on what is being said concerning this salvation. And this is where the candle comes in. This is where the, the, uh, the prophecy candle comes in. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now, when we look at that, I, I love that, that last part to, to, to highlight the the, 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 uh, the Spirit of Christ was inside of the prophets, and as they were prophesying, they didn't really know exactly what was going on. Like It was the Spirit of God that was working through them, and, and as they were prophesying, they were trying to uh, discern, and it says, inquire carefully what time or what person this was all going to happen. But what they did know is that the Christ was going to come and He was going to suffer. That was part of the plan. So, so when people talk about, the, the, well, the Romans, they, they're the ones that killed Jesus. and Yeah, but that was all part of the plan. The prophets predicted it. They understood that the Christ was going to come. Read Isaiah about the suffering servant. Read through the Old Testament where it talks about the, the, the Messiah that is going to come. He has to suffer. And this is a, a conversation that, that uh, Kurt and I had just, I think it was, yet, was it yesterday we had this or something, that we were talking, that the, the, the reason why he had to suffer he had to suffer so he could show his full humanity. He had to re- re- relate to us and in, in, in our humanity. And the way in which he was able to do that was through his sufferings. So that when in Hebrews it says that we have a great high priest that can sympathize with us in everything in which we, we, we face, it's because he faced it. He faced the suffering, but I love how it doesn't just say the sufferings of Christ because it ta- it's not just he was dead and buried. It says the subsequent glories, the glories that came after, the resurrection, the ascension, where he sits now, where he's going to be coming, when when, when the sky breaks open and he comes back. The subsequent glories, the glories that come after all of the suffering in which happened. Now, friend, you you, got to understand this. And even though it's hard in those times when we suffer, if we are if we are, if we are a believer in Christ, if we've given our life to Him, and if He is Lord and King of all, and we're suffering, we have to understand there's glory waiting for us. There's glory waiting for us. We, we might not be able to see it right now. And some of us will be so impatient and just say, Come, Lord Jesus, come quick. Right? I, I, I've been there. I'll be the one to, 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 to raise my hand. Like I've been there. Like I, I've had enough. Just come, Jesus. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to end my life, but God, you said you're going to come back and, and, and come back now because this really stinks. The situation in which I'm in, I, just don't, I don't think it's bearable. 
But what we understand is Christ has suffered, but he also has, he sits in glory. And because he had suffered and he sits in glory, and because he can sympathize with us, because it's through his work in which we have salvation. This, and I love how it says here, the grace that was to be yours. This grace, when Peter is writing of this, and he talks about the prophets prophesied about the grace. This is a noun, by the way. This is not, oh, I'm just giving grace. No, 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 this is, this is the, the, the outworkings of God. It's the resulting activity that is necessary. It's the necessary consequence. It's a necessary consequence of genuine, generous goodwill. This is God giving something that we don't deserve. This is God, he, he, he has given us a gift. He's given us a gift that, that, that only He can give. And when we, we read through this and we, we, we see that it's a, the prophets prophesied about this grace, we understand, or we should understand now, that salvation is only possible because of God's grace. The saving act that saves us from God's wrath, that saves us to the family of God, only comes because of God's grace. You didn't do anything to earn it. That, that, that's hard for a lot of people. Because we have to understand, we didn't do anything to earn it. Well, yeah, but you don't understand how good of a person I am. I don't need to have won. It's not up to me. You don't measure up to God. And because you don't measure up to God, it's awesome that He, as the song said, shed His grace on thee, right? In His infinite love for you, He says, I want you. Do you deserve it? Nope. Anybody in here, if you think that you deserve, and this is because this is what 21st century America teaches us, that we're entitled to everything, right? We're not entitled to a relationship with God. It's because of His grace that He has provided that opportunity. That's what we have to think when we're thinking of Advent and Him coming and Him coming in the cradle to go to the cross. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2 real quick. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, this is one of those verses that if you, um, if you don't have it highlighted or underlined or whatever in your Bible, it would be a good one to do that. Because Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. So understand, it's grace, God's grace. God's grace has been extended to you. Now because God's grace has been extended to you, faith is possible. But faith has to happen because salvation is a result of faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not you doing it. It's God doing it. Understand that. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. So understand that salvation is possible because of God's grace. Let this well up inside of you as we are, are, are remembering that we're caught in the middle. And, and, and the reason that we're in the middle is be, so that salvation can go to the world and that we have purpose. Why do we have purpose? It's because God has purposed in you His plan. What's that plan? To share truths like this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Is explaining to people, yeah, you don't deserve it. I'm not 100% positive about this because you all are really godly people. But there's probably someone in your life that you can say <laughs> they don't deserve God's grace. They deserve God's wrath. Well, it's not up to you to decide. It's up to you to tell them the truth. 
That, hey, even though that you're a fill-in-the-blank, blankety-blank whatever, God loves you. You might have to grit your teeth. But, but think about that. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. It's not up to what I've done. It's what God has done. It's what Christ has already accomplished. So salvation is only possible because of God's grace. This is what was prophesied uh, by the prophets of old. This is what salvation is all about, this deliverance from uh, uh, the, the wrath of God and judgment uh, and, 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 and being uh, saved into the, the, the family. The final point that I want to make here is one that I've been making the whole time. Verse 12 in First uh, Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry. Back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Although if you, if you, did, this, if, if you did look at verse 12 in Ephesians, it, it kind of would make sense. It makes sense what we're talking about. That's awesome. It's, it's just awesome how God works that way. But in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 12, it says, It was revealed to them, meaning the prophets, that they were serving not themselves, but you. So, so think about that. Peter is writing here that the prophets, when they were writing about and prophesying about this grace and about the, the, the Messiah to come and his, his sufferings and his, the glories and all, everything, the salvation that was going to take place, they were, they were, they were uh, prophesying this or, or they were serving not themselves. They were doing all of this, it says, for you, for, for me, for the church here. So it says that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. I love that because they're not serving themselves, they were serving us in the things. What are the things? The things are the truths and the workings of salvation. How salvation works. How, how Christ embodied the gospel. How that good news was contained in, in, in a person. The person in the work of Christ himself. And I love how the, it says that these things are what angels long to look into. What, what, do, you, what, what do you mean? It, it means the outpouring and the outworking of God's plan, of us taking the sal- of salvation to the world. The angels are standing there watching. So, so, so think about it. They're the spectators. We're not the spectators. The spectators are, are, are the angels watching what it is that we're doing. And I, I love it. It says that, that um, in the, the things that have now been announced to you, so they're not, they weren't serving themselves, the prophets were prophesying about the things that have now been announced to you through those who, not, 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 not the prophets there, this isn't the prophets, the though, the those, the those, you got me, right? That in which they were talking about here, those are, 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 are men and women like me, like you, that have been gifted and have been um, tasked with teaching the Word of God. Teaching the Word of God there, and it says, who preach the good news. Now, don't get, don't get all worked up. Well, wait a second. Wait. Well, women can't preach. And, no, no, here, here, just don't, don't, don't go down that path. Hear here what I say. Every believer in Jesus Christ... Every believer in Jesus Christ is to preach the good news. What does that mean? It means to proclaim. 
Proclaim. Salvation must be proclaimed. Remember, well, I'm going to preach the, the, the gospel and sometimes use words. No. It's proclaiming the gospel. Yes, you want to proclaim it with your life. Yes, you want to give that example, but man, you want to talk about it. I get it. Not everybody is, is Billy Graham. That's not the point here. The point is that what Romans 10, 17 says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The faith in which we have to have to be in relationship with God, it only comes through hearing. It comes through hearing the truth and responding to that truth. So in conclusion, as we, as we wrap this whole thing up here, over the next three weeks, well, next three weeks, four weeks count today, we're looking at Advent. But as we're looking at Advent, I, I, I put this here, that looking at our lives through the lens of Advent will help us see our purpose in being caught in the middle. Sometimes we don't always understand, God, why do you have me here? But what we have to know is God has us here for a purpose. And that purpose is so that salvation can, can reach to the ends of the earth. In the book of Mark, it says that Christ isn't going to come back until that happens. So if we want Jesus to come back now, if you're in that moment, like, come on, quick, Jesus. All right, go tell people about him. <laughs> That'll speed up the process. Let's pray. Mm. Father God, I, I, uh, I thank you for the day in which you've given us. God, I thank you for um, just the, this text in which you've given us, the, the meat of it, that uh, we can sit here and we can pull little meat off the bones and, and take little pieces here and understand that, that it is nourishing our soul. But even then when we step back and we look, there's tons of meat here. There's, the, the, your word is something that we can feed on for a lifetime. God, I ask it as we have just uh, taken a few pieces of meat here off the bone that we're chewing on them, that we understand what it means to be in relationship with you. We understand the, the importance and the magnitude of, of, um, of salvation and what we're saved from, but really what we're saved to. God, I ask it as, as we uh, uh, just digest this a little bit more and we're, we're, we're thinking about salvation and we're thinking about how it's a result of faith that we're not taking it for granted. God, that we're looking at our faith and we're asking the question, like, do I really believe or actually do I understand that this is something that God has given me, the grace in which He's given me? I'm asking myself this question, like, God, do I really believe that you have given me this and I don't deserve it? And then, because you've given it to me, God, what, how do I respond? As Peter says here, that we don't see Him, but we love Him. We don't see Him, but we know Him and we believe in Him. God, I pray that that is our, that's our daily focus, is, like, is taking that moment to say, maybe it's when we wake up, maybe it's after coffee or whatever, but maybe it's like, okay, God, I don't see you, but I love you. God, I don't see you, but I believe in you. And because that is true, because I, I have that understanding that, that, that you have provided a way uh, so that I can uh, be in relationship. You've provided the way of salvation for me to be saved into your family. God, my life's going to be different. I'm going to live for you. So that, so that I can understand this purpose of like the reason that I'm caught in the middle. Or, or, or even using the, 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 the verbiage of, uh, of being placed in the middle. God, you placed me here for a purpose. God, we're caught here for a cause. And that cause is you, Christ.
So, Father, I ask as we just, we've entered into the Advent season that we can, we can be serious about what we're doing, what you, about what You've done. That, that we can not just get all wrapped up in, in the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of, uh, of, the, of the, the shopping and the presents and everything, but we can focus really on Your presence in our life. So thank you, Father, for the salvation in which you provided. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for sending your Son in, 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 in the manger in, in complete humility. God, thank you that, 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 that what he has accomplished through his life and through his death, his burial, his resurrection. Thank you for his, his ascension. But God, thank you for the promise of, of his return. Because in that, we have hope. I'm praising your name, Jesus. Amen.